Well, good morning. We are so grateful that you are here with us today, especially if today is uh, day number one. Uh, for you, if you're our guest today, we're, um, we're grateful, especially joining us um, on Mother's Day. Let's give all the mothers a round of applause. We're grateful for them, right? Their blessing um, in our lives. You've joined us in week number three of a series that we're calling Labels, where we're looking at uh, the Gospel of Luke. And the reason that we're calling the series that is because Luke writes his Gospel specifically intentionally uh, geared towards people who feel isolated from God, who feel uh, too far from him, left out, like there's this, there's this distance between uh, them and God that can't be spanned. And we all kind of have that feeling, that sense sometimes, which is why really Luke makes sense um, for all of us in a lot of ways. So the big idea that we're talking about um, every week is that the gospel calls us to a life that is above labels. So a lot of times people will assign a label to us. A lot of times we will assign a label to ourselves and say untrue things um, to ourselves. And if we're not careful, those labels can become our limits. Right? We allow things to define us in ways that God did not, never, um, he would intend for us to wear or, or to carry. So by um, looking into the Gospel of Luke and applying that truth, we're trying to shed those, those labels and say what is, uh, what is true, what God says about us, and define us the way uh, that he does. Which brings us in Luke chapter 2 that we're talking about today, and uh, the holiday kind of just dovetail perfectly today. We're going to talk about the label of mothering. So Luke chapter 2 brings us the story uh, of, of Mary, and it brings us to... Um, kind of an odd spot, I guess, culturally, like in some circles in our culture, like motherhood is a badge of honor, right? And then there are other circles in our culture, it's like motherhood is like a scourge, right, to be avoided. We saw it this week with the uh, leak from the Supreme Court uh, documents about the overturn of, of Roe versus Wade. I was talking to Christy Lowe from our team um, a couple of months ago about this kind of impending, knowing that there was the opportunity, the potential that this was coming. And Christy brought up a great point. She said, you know, right now, culturally, it's like you are either uh, pro-life, right? You're pro the, um, the rights of children who are still in the womb, which I think the Bible absolutely um, supports. But she said, you're kind of pinned. It's either there or you're pro-women. And she said, you know what? The Bible's both, right? So a good place for us to start today is this idea that women were God's idea right? Not our idea. We don't define them. You don't define them. I don't categorize them. They were God's idea. By God's design, he, he did that. He brought that to bear. So it's good for us to be reminded that uh, days like today are just not always, they're not always easy. You may be here today and you may, um, you may want to be a mother, but you can't do that um, physically. There are women who kind of fall into that space. Maybe you're here today and you're estranged um, from your children. There's this kind of awkward distance. Or maybe you're estranged um, from, from your mom. There are single, uh, single moms. There are widows. Um, all kinds of wonder and pain are associated uh, with a day like today. And so what we're going to do, Luke chapter 2, is we're going to look at, um, we're going to look at Mary, the mother uh, of Jesus. And, you know, God bless her, poor Mary, right? Protestants are scared to death to talk about her, so we only talk about her at Christmas time, right? And then Catholics venerate Mary to the elevation right of being sinless, which I think some of the passages that we're going to look at today are going to, um, are going to uh, contradict uh, that idea. But mothering Jesus is going to, it's going to cost her. Um, it's not going to be an easy road uh, for Mary. 
Uh, think about Jesus is born eight days uh, later. She takes him into the temple, right, to be dedicated. And they walk into the temple, and God had revealed to this man, older gentleman, Simeon, God had revealed to him that he was not going to die before he got to see the Messiah. So Mary comes in, brings Jesus in. Somehow God, through his spirit, reveals to Simeon, this is the child that's going to be the Messiah. So he goes to Mary, takes the baby Jesus in his hands, holds him up, cries, prophesies over the child, then looks at Mary and says, this child will pierce your soul. Now that's weird. I was thinking about, we were doing child dedications, right? If you've been around for a couple of months, we did child dedications a couple of months ago, and I was thinking what it would be like for our preschool director, Shauna Crum, you know, she's going down parent to parent, you know, and then we put the little picture of the baby up there on the screen, and she goes down and hands in the Bible, and what if she looked at one set of parents, had a little boy, and she took the boy, and she said, this one will stick a blade in your heart. <laughs> like, that's just weird, right? But that's what Mary, I mean, that's what, that's what she's up for, and, you know, the king of the, the, the whole country, Herod. He seems like he wants to throw him a baby shower, like he wants to have a big party. But in reality, he wants to murder Jesus. He wants to murder her newborn son. So she and Joseph have to leave Israel. They have to go live as refugees in Egypt for a few years. So can you imagine being a first-time parent, right? Brand new child, and you have to take that child and go live in Mexico for two years. You don't know the language very well. You don't know the culture I mean, all of these challenges are going to come to Mary from being, from being the mother of Jesus. And so the application really for us today, specifically, yeah, Mary is, is a mom, but the application for us will be a little, bit, a little bit more broad because in mothering, what Mary does is she expresses that nurturing, caring side of God. And for a lot of us, maybe you're not a mom physically, but you're a parent, teacher, coach, you're mentor, um, a lot of us are given this responsibility of nurturing and building into the next generation. So we're going to look at three events uh, from the life of Mary that hopefully will apply to all of us. And the first one is in Luke chapter 2. Start reading in verse 41. And when he, he Jesus, was 12 years old, they went up according to the custom. That's right, this is custom of the feast, headed to the Passover. They take their family up. And when the feast was ended, they were returning the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it. But supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey. But then began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. And after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. So the first thing is that moms are part of a, of a forever family. And... Mary and Joseph learned this at an early age. If you are a parent, teacher, coach, mentor, is there any fear like the panic that hits you when you lose a kid? If you've ever done that, if that's ever happened to you, um, it's this sheer uh, sense of what in the world are we going to do? I, I'm, Angie and I were in Target. Uh, our son Dylan uh, was little, and I ran to get something that was on the list. And when I came back and I rounded a corner... Angie was in the, the same aisle, um, and Dylan wasn't with her. And I said, where's Dylan? And she said, I thought he was with you. And I said, I thought he stayed with you. And I'll never forget, there's, just for a couple of minutes, right? Probably wasn't even that long. Just this sense of panic. I'll never forget what it was like when Angie lost Dylan in Target. It was a terrible, <laughs> it was probably my fault. It was probably, probably my fault. 
But it's, and you read in the text, and it says, after three days. Three days. And can you imagine? <laughs> Mary, I'm sure she's looking at Joseph. She's like, I gave you one job, right? Watch the Messiah. That's all you have to do. Like, what am I going to say to Gabriel? Ah, the Savior of the world will turn up. We'll find him. You know what? It's just the, the panic. And after three days, they find him. And if you read the text, she scolds him when she sees him. She says, why have you treated us this way? And Jesus responds to her with a question. Now, if you study the life of Jesus very much, he taught by asking questions. Who do men say that I am? Do you want to be healed? He taught people in this kind of questioning format. And the first time that he ever does it is when he's 12 years old. And he looks up at his mom in the temple. And he says, didn't you know? that I had to be in my father's house? Didn't do you understand that? I think the King James Version says, I had to be about my father's business. And so what you see that Jesus is saying is that, Mom, I'm part of your family, but I'm starting a new family. I'm starting a forever, eternal family. And so, Mom, there are going to be moments when God's desire for me supersedes your desire for me. And mom, when those moments come, I've got to listen to him before I listen to you. I've got to give, give my will to his desires no matter what it says about your desires. And I think what that calls us to, parents, teachers, coaches, mentors, is that there's a spectrum between um, passivity and control. Specifically as a parent, this is, this is true in, in raising kids. Because when you have young children, especially if you have multiple young children, listen, it, you're worn out all the time. It's, you don't ever sleep enough. You don't ever have enough um, emotional energy, right? You're constantly having conversations. You're constantly, constantly correcting. And the easiest thing to do is to just take your hands off the wheel, right? And just come what may, what may. They'll live through it whatever they do, right? It's just easiest to be passive. And so I'll just say to you, especially dads, right? Um, and when you guys are, you guys are in this thing to win it together, right? So when you're home, right, with mom, it's, you're in it for bedtime, you're in it for bath time, um, you're in it for dishes time and cooking time and all in between. You're in this thing, you're in it together. Because what's easy to do is just to say, Man, this is, this is crazy. It's just easy to be passive. But any reputable children's book that you read say that kids want boundaries. Even when they push back against them, they, they want boundaries. And so it's imperative that, that you as parents, if you're married, it's imperative that you're on the same, the same page because, man, most of those same parenting books say the best thing you can do for your child is have a strong relationship with your spouse. And what they want is security. So it's going to take time. It's going to take emotional energy, which means... Man, you gotta have you gotta have some boundaries in there because it's easiest to be, it's just easy to be passive. And the other end of the spectrum, right, is that it's easy to be controlling. And I'll put all my cards on the table. This is the one that I struggle with the most, right? Knowing when do I step in and help, and when do I step back and let my children make decisions and own the consequences of, of those decisions. There's a 
a psychologist. I read an article by him, I don't know, five or six years ago. His, his name is Dunweddle, and he, he talks about three characteristics of what you know, we refer to really as a culture now as helicopter parenting, right? You hover and cover, right? Everything in your kids' lives. And the first one, he says, is decreased confidence and self-esteem. And here, I want to read this quote from him. He said, helicopter parenting ultimately backfires because the underlying message um, is that the parent's over-involvement that it sends to the kids is that my parent doesn't trust me to do this on my own, and it leads to a lack of self-confidence. The other couple of things he mentions there is that out of that, then they have underdeveloped life skills, right? Because if they don't learn how to cope with disappointment, if they don't learn how to take ownership and responsibility for the choices and decisions um, that they make, they, they, they fail to have these essential skills emotionally that they need as they grow up. And then that leads to the last one he says, which is a sense of entitlement, right? Whenever someone um, has managed their whole, you know, their whole existence, right? You've managed all their, their athletic uh, uh, prowess and you've managed all of that and you've managed all of their educational pursuits and you've, they kind of have this unwritten message that they just kind of naturally intake that that's how the world's going to treat them. That somebody's going to take care of everything. It's, it develops this sense um, of entitlement, right? So understanding that spectrum that there, that's, you know, passivity um, all the way over to control, right? We got to be prayerful as we move through that. I'll say for me as a dad, if, uh, if you've been around uh, for maybe just a couple of weeks, you'll know that I wasn't here uh, last Sunday because I was um, at my oldest daughter's church uh, down on campus uh, at Ohio State because she was commissioned uh, last week uh, to lead a mission trip. So she's leading a group of college students this summer on a mission trip uh, to Albania, right? And so as, um, you know, pastor, right? I put my pastor hat on and I'm like, that's awesome. Like, go ye therefore into all the world, right? I mean, that's incredible. But then I put my dad hat on and I'm like, I don't know if this is a good time to be going to Europe. <laughs> like, I don't know if that's a great idea, right? Right now. But she has prayed and read the word and discerned God's voice to her. And at this moment in her life, her heavenly father's voice supersedes, right? Her dad's voice because of what God is, is speaking to her. And there's, this, there's just this sense that we point them, right? We raise them up to point them God's direction. And to do that, that means that we have to let them listen and we have to let them make some choices. And that means they're going to stumble sometimes along the way. And that's going to bring some, some consequences in the, in the context of, of making those decisions. Which leads me to the second event um, in the life of Jesus when he, was, uh, when he was at a wedding in John chapter 2, verse 3. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does this have to do with... Don't, don't talk to your mom that way today, okay? <laughs> Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. And his mother said to the servants, do whatever it is that he tells you. So they're at this wedding. Now, weddings in their culture are um, a bigger deal than weddings maybe in our culture. It was the responsibility of the families who put on a wedding to feed the whole village um, for days, sometimes weeks, um, there have been cases where they've found in archaeology where some weddings lasted three weeks. They fed a whole village. So every wedding was like a Kardashian wedding, right? Like that was the responsibility. And if you ran out of something, it was like a disgrace to you, 
to your family. Like, it could even jeopardize the family's relationship with one another, therefore jeopardizing the, the marriage. And so they have this wedding, they're attending, all of a sudden they run out of wine, and Mary, she's going to step in and fix this thing, right? She's got, she's got the answer. She knows what her son can do. So she goes and grabs Jesus, says, Jesus, come here. And she brings Jesus over to the servants, and she's like, okay, here's my son, and you just wait, right? I've been waiting for 30 years, right, for this moment right here, and just why? And Jesus is like, wait, it's not my time. It's like my hour, my hour hasn't come. And I love what Mary says. She looks at the servants and she says, whatever he says to do, do it. And Mary takes her will and the way that she thinks things are supposed to work and she brings it underneath his authority and his will. And as parents, teachers, coaches, and mentors, as we point young people back in the direction of God, that is exactly the posture that we have to maintain. Because what's going to happen, just like happened in Mary's life, with, with this whole idea of a forever family, where Jesus is basically saying to her, Mom, I'm grateful to be part of your family, but I'm also going to invite you to be part of my family, to this forever family that I'm creating. What we'll see throughout our lives, I think, is that God will use young people to challenge and change us. As you get older, God will use young people to challenge and to change us. I think sometimes um, I get this idea that God has, um, God has given me children and the children belong to me. Your children, your players, your students, they don't belong to you. They have been entrusted to you. But I've got this idea that they belong to me, and so it's my job, and I'm going to shape them, and I'm going to mold them to be just the kind of people or players or whatever that I, that I want them to be. And what I find in the mix of all that is that I think God gives me kids so that I can get the kids done, right? But in reality, God gives me kids to get me done, right? in the moments of frustration, in the moments of panic, in the moments of indecision, what God is doing is he is shaping me to be more like Christ through my children. Children are a great sanctifier. They make us more and more and more like Christ. That's how God uses them in, in our lives. And so when you see them that way, when you think about them, that way, then you realize the opportunity that we have. It's not us, or it's not only us helping shape them, they are helping shape us. So, for those of you who are here who serve in LifePoint Kids, man, could not be more grateful for how you are helping shape the next generation, leading in a variety of ways. Everything from tech and music and skits to leading uh, small groups on Sunday mornings. We are super, super grateful for you. And I will say that, you know, we just launched a brand new campus in Plain City. A couple of months ago, we sent six or seven fantastic families. I mean, incredible families to go be part of our new Plain City campus. And almost all of those families served in LifePoint Kids. So we need six or seven families now to step up and to fill that void, to fill that space of helping us shape the next generation. 
If you'd be willing to have a conversation about what that looks like and how your gifts can be uh, leveraged for the sake of the kingdom in the next generation in the context there of LifePoint Kids, man, shoot us an email, info at lifepointohio.com, or just stop by Guest Central when uh, the service is over today and let us know about that, and we'll engage in a conversation about that. And it's not just inside the context of our churches. Some of you um, are fostering, doing an incredible job welcoming children into your home, sometimes for a shorter season, sometimes for longer-term Adoption. Some of you are working with great organizations like Big Brothers and Big Sisters to pour into and mentor the next generation of young people that God is raising up, that we get to, um, we get to take the opportunities, the time that God has given us to see the world change because God will use young people to challenge you and to change you. Which brings me to the third moment in Jesus' life in Mark chapter 3. He's launched his ministry. This is this is a high point um, of Jesus in popularity. It says this, And when his family heard it, they went out to seize him. For they were saying, He is out of his mind. And his mother and his brothers came, and standing outside, they sent to him and called him. A crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, Your mother and brothers are outside seeking you. And he answered them, Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking about at those who sat around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. Jesus brings up this point that his forever family, bringing us back around to this same idea, is rooted in community. So Jesus is teaching, and he's got a big crowd around. And obviously Mary and his brothers have gotten wind of some of the things that he's saying, and they think he's crazy. They think Jesus has lost his ever-loving mind, right? Some of these things that he's saying. So they're going to come, and they're going to take him by force. This is an intervention, right? They're going to come. They're going to whisk Jesus away up into the mountains somewhere, and they're going to set him straight. So they show up. They're not going to go in front of the big crowd. So they ask somebody, they go, hey, tell Jesus that his mom and his brothers are here to see him. And, and Jesus knows. Like, Jesus has this sense of what's going on. So they say, hey, your, your, your mother is here. And Jesus says, who is my mother? Now, listen, if, you, if your mom is still living, I hope that you at least, you know, buy her a Mother's Day card or something. I went out, bought a Mother's Day card uh, for Angie this week. And when I was reading through the, the Hallmark cards there, I didn't find one that said, who is my mother? right? That's not a compliment. Like, Jesus, who is my mother? And my, but what's the point that he's making? That this forever family is rooted in community. He looks at the people who are sitting around him, and he says, those of you who are doing what God wants, those of you who are executing God's will, those of you who are spending time with him in his word and seeking to obey it, you're my family. You're my mother and my brothers and my sisters which means we have two things going on right now in the context of our local spiritual family here at LifePoint that I think are critical. Number one, next week we'll launch a brand new term of life groups. You have the opportunity to get together with a smaller group of people for the purpose of doing two things, connecting relationally and taking the next step in your spiritual journey. On an average, our average Sunday morning attendance here, that number, I know it doesn't, represent everyone, but on average, that average attendance number, about 90% of the folks here are part of a life group. 
man, if you're not part of a group, you need to be connected in biblical community. You are the mother, the brothers, the sisters. You're part of a forever family. So summer is a great time to get connected in groups. When you walk out into uh, the lobby today, we have life group catalogs. All the information you need to get connected is in here. Generally where the groups meet, who's leading the group, what the group is going to study. Summertime, groups only meet typically every other week. It's a great time to take the opportunity to find a group. We all need to be connected in community. So there's one opportunity. The second opportunity is something that we're doing as a church family, reading through the Gospel of Luke together devotionally this month. We started uh, last Monday in Luke chapter 1. We're reading one chapter every day. Um, I don't know how many... I think it's over 4,000 of the NIV Gospel of Luke journals we've passed out um, over the last couple of weeks. And every day we're reading through chapter a day together. Some folks um, are posting on social media underneath the hashtag LP Bible. Maybe you're a digital reader, so you're reading through um, on the YouVersion app. You're looking for the study Luke Explained. It'll keep you on the same track. We're reading six days a week, Monday through Saturday taking Sundays off. That should land you on the 28th of the month, give you a few days to get caught up if you need to, and then we'll celebrate together on the 29th. Having all read a gospel together, reading it in, right, and then praying it out. Reading God's word into our hearts, increasing the level of biblical engagement in our lives, helping us be aware um, of God's activity. If you search that hashtag, um, I think you'll find and there's a lot of great insights are just, are just bubbling up. I thought one this week, I thought Mandy Butler had a great insight from Luke chapter 2 when we read that. I think that was on Tuesday. Um, speaking of the passage you know, we read there where Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, um, she said, um, if you've lost Jesus, a great place to find him is in the Father's house. That's a great, that's a great insight, a great word um, for all of us. So we're encouraging one another in community. I hope you'll take the opportunity to read through Luke with us. Because what we all need is this sense that God is the one who defines us. It's the sacrificial love of God seen in the person of Jesus on the cross, giving his life to pay for our sins. We're all broken. We're all flawed. None of us, none of us deserves God's love, but, but it's been showered on us. No matter what label you wear, no matter how far, how isolated, how outside of God's grace you feel. He has showered that on you in the person of Christ. And that's what we live for, and that's what we live from. Even from the cross, there are seven different things that Jesus said from the cross. One of those seven sayings, when Jesus is hanging on a cross, he looks down, he sees his mom there, Mary. He sees the apostle John, and he says, woman, behold your son. Even from the cross, Jesus wants to make sure that his mom is cared for, that his mom is, is taken care of. And you see the sacrificial nature, that sacrificial love of God is what we need to mirror being willing to sacrifice for the sake of the next generation, to point them back God's direction, to let them go, and to let them become uh, full followers of Christ. And in doing so, in doing so, watching them become part of God's forever family, God will change, challenge us to look even more 
and more like him. Let's pray together. God, we are uh, grateful. Uh, we're grateful for a day like today that, God, we're reminded of your nurture, your care, your love for us in the person of Christ. And, God, how we then can exemplify that, mirror that, give that away in the way, God, that you have given it uh, to us. Because, God, there is going to come a day, we sang about it earlier, so let it be today, the day that we, God, will see you face to face. Many, many people in the room today have got people, God, that they love. People that are ahead of them um, in this spiritual, eternal journey. Many of them moms. Many of them children. And God's in that vein. We say, let it be today. God, I pray for parents who are here today who have children who maybe, God, are not walking um, with you, maybe making decisions outside of your best for their lives. God, I pray that you will encourage them today. Help them to be defined by what you say about them. And God, not the, uh, not the ways that sometimes we can walk in performance and discouragement. God, you have blessed us you have led us. We pray, God, that you will empower us to reflect that, to do the same. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Listen, maybe um, for you, maybe, uh, maybe you're here today and you're not a Christian, but God is speaking to you, nudging you, and today is your day to follow Christ. Maybe you'd like to share a prayer request um, with us. We would be happy to pray with you. Or maybe you'd like for somebody to pray with you today before you leave. Um, we would be happy to do that as well. Maybe you'd like to have a conversation about going public with your faith through baptism. You can do all of those things via our Next Steps team, which is over your right shoulder as you exit through this aisleway over my, to my left, your right. There's a, a glass door there that says Next Steps. Our team is there. You'll see them in gray t-shirts and they are ready to engage, to help in any way or ways um, that they can uh, this morning. If you're our guest, uh, once again, we're grateful for you being here. The only thing that we would ask for from you uh, today is that if before you leave, you'll take out your smartphone and open up your camera app, scan the QR code um, that is on the chair in front of you, just point your phone at it. It'll take you less than a minute to fill out the digital guest card that's there. There's four ministries listed at the bottom that we're already partnered with. You choose one of the four and we will make an extra donation of $5 to that ministry just so you can do something good and kind by sharing this time uh, with us today. For those of you who are regular attenders and members, as always, I'm grateful for your generosity, how you're leveraging your life for the sake of the kingdom and to help us uh, reach the world as a local body. If you've been around for uh, a month or so, you know that about three weeks ago, we had um, our wide open world missions offering where everything that was given electronically during the week and on Sunday um, goes to support mission causes um, around the world to help us plant churches locally, nationally, and globally. And um, we finally got everything uh, gathered up and uh, got all the nickels counted up and such. And I am happy to uh, share with you that we had um, by far the largest ever uh, missions offering that, um, that we've ever had. You gave over $200,000 to support mission causes um, around the world. Sure. Super grateful for that. You lay that out alongside of what we already give out of our budget uh, towards missions and as things trend, kind of what they're trending now for the rest of the year, 
um, by the end of the year, we will be blessed uh, to give away over three quarters of a million dollars to, um, for mission causes to help plant churches and reach people, make a difference around the world. So we're grateful for you. If you'd like to give your tithes and offerings today, you can do that by placing those in one of the black offering boxes on the wall as you exit um, today. If you'd like to give electronically, uh, just follow the directions uh, up on the screens to give via the website, text, or app. Um, just by way of reminder, as you're getting ready to leave um, today, you can stop by Guest Central. We have a few copies of that NIV journal uh, Bible of Luke left at Guest Central, so you can stop by. If we've got any of those left, you can pick up one there. If not, they'll help you uh, know how to pick up one of those uh, on Amazon. Also, if you're interested in taking the step of serving, we have a Life Teams orientation coming up in a couple of weeks. You can find out all the details on the LifePoint app or stop by Guest Central. They'll help you get a spot reserved for that. We've got a worship night coming up in a couple of weeks. All five of our campuses will gather here. We hope you'll take the opportunity uh, to uh, come and share and worship uh, with us uh, that night. You can find the details of that on the LifePoint app as well. Um, and then I'm going to go sprint out of here because the daughter that I mentioned uh, to you that's leading the mission trip, she starts graduation in 10 minutes at Ohio State. So I'm going to jet on out of here this morning. Go watch the folks graduate. So, so thanks so much for being with us. God bless you guys. You're dismissed.